right, so we're recording, so we're live and ready to go. Uh, thank you, Ron. I greatly appreciate you uh, posting there for us tonight. <clears throat> so what, what I want to do <clears throat> tonight is let's take a look at um, Galatians chapter 2. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna start off in Galatians chapter two, and and I've I've entitled this message, um, "Don't be an unaware," and uh, we'll we'll take a look at a few things here. Notice uh, Galatians chapter two verse one. <clears throat> then fourteen years after, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which are of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised, and that because a false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privately to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But of those who seem to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me, God accepteth no man's person. For they who seemed to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me, but contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word. We're grateful that you've preserved it throughout the years and ages that we can have it and handle it and study it, that we can read it, and that we can come to an understanding of what your word actually says and allow it to be the final authority in all things that we might be to the praise and honor and glory of your grace, and it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. <clears throat> all right. So as, as we take a look at this, hopefully, hopefully we're all aware of, of, this, of this particular situation, right? Uh, in, in Acts chapter 15, there is a council. If you go back, let's take a look at that real quick. Acts chapter 15. Uh, you know, people's got different names for it. If you want to call it the Council uh, of Jerusalem, or that Great Jerusalem Council, or the <clears throat> what you know, whatever you want to name it. Uh, Acts chapter 15. What I want us to do is take a look at what's going on back in Acts chapter 15, because that's going to give us an idea of really what Paul's talking about there in Galatians, specifically uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 3. He says, but neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. So there's an issue there that we see with circumcision. And so then that great Jerusalem council, if you will, back in Acts chapter 15, we see exactly what's going on there. And so in, in, in Acts chapter 15, verse 1, it says, And certain men, which came down from Judea, taught the brethren, and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. And so <clears throat> what I want to do is stop there for just a second because I want us to see exactly what we've got going on here. All right. So as we take a look, this is this is this is an issue that, that's that's raised here that we want to make sure that we look at. And how is it that that uh, that you can deal with it? All right. So if you notice in, in verse one, what happens is there's some there's there's a group of certain men. Right. Uh, you know, you remember not everybody in here is going to remember this, but because uh, you all weren't there. We, I did a, I did a message here a while back um, called "Don't Be a Damsel" or a certain damsel, right? And we were taking a look at that and how that that a damsel was trying to move people away from Paul's information, what Paul was teaching. And we we've also got a, a message that we did a, a long time ago called 
uh, are you the core of the body of Christ? And I would almost rather uh, change that to don't be a core for the body of Christ. And, and when you go back and you look at that, over in Jude, you study about core, the gainsaying of core. And you go back in the Old Testament, you find out what that gainsaying of core was. And the, the big issue is you go back there and you find that there is no person named Kor, but it's Korah. All right, so Kor in the New Testament, C-O-R-E, is Korah in the Old Testament, K-O-R-A-H. And what we find out about Korah in the Old Testament is what he was trying to do and, you know, for the most part was successful in, was trying to move Israel away from Moses and they were what they what his goal was to do is to set up a a a false version to disrupt exactly what um, Moses was given to do the the job that God gave Moses to do and so what Korah did the gainsaying of Korah was trying to move the nation of Israel away from God's chosen vessel uh, through whom he was going to reveal his information. And so then we see the exact same thing that's taking place here. Uh, you go to Acts chapter 9, you find out that Jesus Christ tells uh, Ananias when when Paul comes, says, tell him that he's a chosen vessel. He's he's chosen for a particular reason. And it, it's it's really interesting because you know, you can get into the whole thing. He was chosen after he got saved. You know, we're not going to get into that, but, but he was chosen. He was a chosen vessel to, to be able to bear his name, Jesus Christ's name, before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. So that's so we know that that's that's an issue. And so then, when we come here to Acts chapter fifteen, we've got a certain men, which came down verse one from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. Now, what they're doing is they're, they're, they're going to take and they're going to say, Well, you know, we're, we're glad that you've, you've understood that Jesus, Christ, that Jesus was the Christ. We're glad that you all understand that Jesus was the Son of God. We're glad that you understand that he was the Son of David. And he was a son of Abraham. We were glad that that's true. Um, but, you know, you're not saved just by believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. You're, you're not saved. You have to be circumcised after the manner of Moses. And if you don't, what do they say there in Acts 15.1 is ye cannot be saved. So what happens is you look at verse 2 and it says, When therefore Paul and Barnabas... And I love how it says this, had no small dissension and disputation with them. Now, if you think this was a, this, as it says, no small dissension and disputation, is this something that he, that, that Paul and Barnabas is like, hey guys, um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think this is something that, that uh, y'all should be teaching. The answer is no. It's it, there was no small dissension. It was a big issue because that's not the gospel that these folks heard, right? And you go over to Galatians and you read and you say, well, and Paul tells him says, "Are you so foolish that having begun in the spirit, you made perfect in the, through the flesh? Is there something that you did not get when I was talking to you?" And what happened is, is there's some folks that came in after Paul. And we're telling them, and that's the certain man that we have here that says, if you're not circumcised after the manner of Moses, then you cannot be saved. And it was a big issue. It wasn't a small issue and said, well, you know, let's just not, let's not deal with that. He said, there is no small dissension and disputation with them. So what happened is they decided, Paul and Barnabas, you all need to go up to Jerusalem and get this stuff straightened out. And so then what's really interesting is we get back over here to Galatians chapter 2, and really what we're going to see is the, the, the culmination of what takes place there. So we see again, uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 1. Then 14 years after, 
I went up again to Jerusalem. So this is the time when they go up to Jerusalem. All right. And, you know, there's there's this idea that 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 most people put out and say, well, what Paul was doing was he was wanting to go up to Jerusalem to make sure that he was teaching the right gospel. And what we're going to find out here in Galatians 2 is the exact opposite of that. Notice, then 14 years after, I went up again to Jerusalem. So this Jerusalem trip is the same Jerusalem trip that we're reading back in Acts chapter 15, verse 2, that they're going to go up to Jerusalem under the apostles and elders about that particular question. <clears throat> All right, so that's the Jerusalem trip that we have here. And took Titus with, uh, with, with me also. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel. All right. Now, what's that gospel? Well, if you look, um, if you look right to the left in your Bible, you might have it in Galatians chapter one verse eleven. Paul says, "But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, for I neither received it of man." Neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. So when we see that, that's the, when, when Paul says in, in Galatians 2, 2, that he's going to go up and, 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 and talk about the gospel, and he's going to communicate unto them the gospel, that gospel, which he preached among the Gentiles, what's that gospel? It's the gospel that he received by revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not after man. It's not something that got that some guy came up with. Paul didn't come up with this. He didn't receive it of man, and he wasn't even taught it of man. You think you go back and you see uh, get, uh, the person that taught Paul, right? Um, when you, when you go back and you take a look at that, he was the most revered person at that time, and he and Paul sat at his feet and learned everything about what it was to be like to be a Pharisee, and all the other things that goes along with that. And so then, even he didn't teach Paul this gospel. And it's something that came directly from Jesus Christ himself. So that's the gospel that he's communicated, and he's gone up to Jerusalem to communicate that gospel. He says, and I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. And again, he's not going up to say, hey guys, are we on the same page? Because they're not. And we keep on going. How do we know that? Verse 3, but, Titus, but neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And so then, you know, you, you stop and you think about that real quick. Titus, he, he knew enough about the gospel that Paul was preaching that he says, I don't need to have that circumcision. It's not by anything that I can do. And so he knows, he knows a little bit about what's going on in that gospel that Paul is preaching. But here's where we come into a problem. Because you've got to stop and ask yourself, why in the world would somebody come into the church in Galatia, those churches up there, why in the world would somebody go up there and preach in their churches that you have to be circumcised after the manner of Moses, and if you don't, then you're not saved? In fact, it's not even that you're not saved. You cannot be saved. So why is that? Well, the, again, the question is answered in verse 4. Notice, And that because of false brethren unawares brought in. So I'm going to stop there for just a second. So we've got two different groups of people right here in the first part of this verse. He says, and that because of false brethren, so you've got false brethren, so you have people that are teaching false information, 
unawares brought in. So the unawares, and here's what we've got. We've got a group of people who are unaware that this that these false brethren are teaching a false doctrine. They're unaware of what's been taught in the churches in Galatia. They're unaware what's going on, and they're bringing in these false brethren, and the false brethren are doing what? They came in privately to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. Though so they see the liberty that these folks were living in, and they said, we have got to fix this, so we're going to go up. And you have folks that are unaware that these false brethren are teaching false doctrines, and they're unaware what's actually being taught in the, in the, in the churches, Otherwise, they would not have let them in. And so then, how is it that you fix that? Because that's what, that's what we've got going on here. We have, because false brethren unawares brought in. So you've got unaware people. They're bringing in false brethren. And what these false brethren do is what? They're preaching a bad doctrine. In fact, we see it. In verse 5 there, he says, To whom we gave place by subjection, no. What did Paul do? Notice, and here's the best part. Notice, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour. Who's the we there? It's Paul and Titus. They know the message. Titus was not compelled to be circumcised because he knew the message. And Paul and, si and Titus say, no, we're not going to allow you all to teach in the churches in Galatia. There you go. They're not having it. Because they, they know the importance of the gospel that they have. And so then you have folks who are unaware of what's being taught by both sides that are just saying, man, you've just got to listen to this guy. He can, he's got, he's a great speaker. You know, what they're, what, what this person's teaching, it just, it makes, it makes, it makes perfect sense. And, you know, I can read it tells me in the Old Testament, I've got to go get I've got to go get circumcised after the manner of Moses. I can read the verse. They're, they showed me the verse. And Paul, Paul and Titus say, No. To whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour. Why? Why is that important? That the truth of the gospel might continue with you. So this is something that they should have known. And then we'll talk about the, a little bit more as we go down through there. So how is it that you fix that? You know, I've titled this, Don't Be an Unaware. How is it that we prevent ourselves from being an unaware? Well, go back to Acts chapter 17 real quick. Actually, get Acts chapter 17 and get um, let's get 2 Timothy chapter 2 as well so 2 Timothy chapter 2 and Acts chapter 17 How is, it, how is it that we can prevent that from happening for ourselves? Well, do we, do we need to go and purchase the latest books that are written? No. Do we need to sit and listen to two, three, four, eight hours worth of Bible preaching and teaching? No. Notice, notice in Second Timothy, chapter two, verse seven. Here's how you fix being unaware. Consider what I say, and the Lord give the understanding in all things. Now, if you think about that. 
if you have understanding in all things, then don't you think that you would now be aware of things? If you have understanding in all things, then that would prevent you from being unaware. You would know what's being taught in your local assembly, and you'd know what's being taught elsewhere, and you'd be able to look at that and say, hey, I know something, and that doesn't just, that, that just does not match up with what I've been told. And that's what happened with Titus. Titus, he was not compelled to be circumcised. Why? Because he knew the gospel. He knew what was right. He knew what was wrong. And he was able to take a look at those things. You know, when you, when you start looking at some of that, that information and, and you start going through those things, there's, there's, there's things that's really interesting because you, you get into other things too, like First, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21, he says, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. Well, how can you prove all things? Well, if you understand all things, then you can prove all things. And if you see something that's good, you hold fast to it. You don't let go. And if you see something that has an appearance of evil, you get rid of it. And that's, that's an issue that we need to be able to think about and deal with, right? Because that's one of those things that we, we need to come to an understanding of, right? Because if you understand all things, then you can prove all things. Well, how is it that that's going to go about? Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, verse 10. Acts chapter 17, verse 10. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, <clears throat> who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Therefore many of them believed, also of honorable women, which were Greeks and, as, and of men, not a few. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people and they immediately, and then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go as it were to the sea, but Silas and Timotheus abide there still. So I want you to notice there, what is it, where, where is it that, that Paul and Silas go here in Acts chapter 17? They go, to, they go to Berea, right? So they go to Berea, and they go into a synagogue of the Jews. By the way, there's a little town, there's a little town here in Kentucky Wow. <laughs> There's a little town here in Kentucky called Berea. And uh, I've, I've often thought, you know, maybe we should have gone there. <laughs> maybe we should have moved there and started a church. That way we could have a, a church at Berea. But, but notice, they're in Berea. They go into the synagogue of the Jews. Notice in verse 12, what's he, what's he, or verse 11, what's he say about these folks in Berea? Verse 11, he says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Now stop there for just a second. The folks in Thessalonica, what we find out when we go read First and Second Thessalonians, specifically First Thessalonians, we find out that that church was living and allowing God's Word to produce in them the three main keys that you should see in a church. And so let's let, hold your place here and go get that real quick. Go get 1 Thessalonians. First Thessalonians 
chapter 1, notice in verse 2. Paul says, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. So you see the three things that are working there. What? The work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope. Now, those three things, Paul tells us in Corinthians, that those three things are the three things that are going to abide. There's things that are going to go away, and but these three things will abide. And so then you stop and you look at that and say, okay, when you see those three things, and by the way, when you take a look at Paul's epistles, the way that they're the way that they're they're laid out, you've got those three things that are put on display there. But notice, that's that's what Paul's dealing with with the folks in Thessalonica. And then we get back over here to Acts chapter 17, and he's talking about these folks in Berea, and he says, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica. The church over there, that if you look at it, you say, that is a model church. But he says, these folks in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica. How? How were they more noble? In that they received the word with all readiness of mind. All right? So what happens is, is they go into an, uh, a Pow Talk Bible study group and they come there with the intention of listening to what God's Word actually says instead of blasting a whole bunch of messages on there, right? So they come in and they have all readiness of mind. to listen to what God's Word actually says. So that's the first step. Second step, what do they do? And search the Scriptures daily. Do you know what that means? That means they had to have the Scriptures. That also means that they had to actually read the Scriptures and that they read those Scriptures every single day. And they proved all things and they found out whether or not those things were so to me I find that extremely interesting because you've got right there how is it that we how is it that we become established how is it that we become stable you go over to Romans chapter 16 and he says what? Now of him that is of power to establish you. Who is it that has the power to establish you? Your favorite preacher? No. God is the one that has the power to establish you. God is the one that has the power to make you stable. And here's the best part. He's given us everything that we need to become stable. The purpose that the book of Romans was written is because Paul couldn't get to Rome and he says, I want to, I want to be able to give you this spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. Go real quick, Romans chapter 1, because I want us to see that real quick. He, he wanted to be able to get them established, right? He says, Romans chapter 1, verse 11, For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. To the end, ye may be established. That is, he's going to tell us what does it mean to be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. You know what he's dealing with there? How is it that you're going to be established? How is it that God is going to establish you? He's going to establish you based upon His doctrine, according to my gospel, and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, and has now been revealed, and by the scriptures of the prophets. There's three things there. Paul's gospel preaching of Jesus Christ according to, based upon the revelation of the mystery. That tells us that if we want to understand the preaching of Jesus Christ, we have to know the revelation of the mystery to be able to get it. 
So now we've got this mystery that's been revealed. It's been made manifest. And then he says the third thing, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. So when we do that, when we actually do, go real quick to Ephesians chapter 3. So there's a couple things that, that we should notice here that, that I would say that the folks in Thessalonica did. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So, one of the things that the more noble Bereans would have done is what? Read. Second thing that they probably did, go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. He says, Study to show thyself approved unto God. So, what's the natural progression? If you receive the scriptures with all readiness of mind, and then you search the scriptures daily, then you're going to be reading it, you're going to be studying it. Now, by that time, they wouldn't have had um, the majority of Paul's epistles but they would have had access to a couple things probably. I would say at least Galatians and quite possibly maybe First Thessalonians. But they would have had access to Galatians by Acts chapter 17 around that time period. So they would have been able to have searched those. They would have also had the scriptures. I mean, he goes into the synagogue of the Jews. They're going to have all the, all the Old Testament scriptures anyway. So they're going to be able to find out, is this information true or not? They're going to be able to read it, and they're going to be able to study it. And here's, here's, the, here's the best part about it. They did it daily. And they took it upon themselves to do it themselves. They didn't walk away and say, man, that was a good message. Thank you, Brother Paul. Now, I'm going to go tell everybody I know what I was just told without actually studying it out for myself, without reading it myself. So real quick, go over to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Verse 11. Now, I, I know and understand where the book of Hebrews is, is written, and I know who it's written to. But there's something here that we're going to see in Paul's epistles, too. And I think it's probably something that we should probably pay heed to. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. Of whom, and, he, and the whom there he's talking about in the context, is talking about Jesus Christ, their, their high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He says, Of whom we have many things to say, and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, and not of strong meat. So what's he saying there to the folks that's going to be living during the tribulation period. You all should know enough about this stuff that you should be out there teaching people, but instead you've got people that have to teach you the very first principles of the oracles of God. 
and you're needing milk rather than strong meat. Verse 13, For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Notice, But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, when you take a look at that, Paul, Paul says about the same kind of thing. He talks to the folks in, in, in Corinth about this. He brings up the same kind of idea, talking about the fact, in fact, go over there real quick to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and into chapter 3. But there's, there's an issue there. He says, But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use. So here's the thing. If we have access to know and understand all things, because Paul tells us what? Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. If we can do that, how is it that we're going to be able to do something with it? He says, uh, the writer of Hebrews, not Paul, but the writer of Hebrews says what? Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised. That means you got to use it. Paul says the same thing to the folks here in Corinth, right? Uh, sorry. You jumped ahead of me there, but that's fine. Let's do this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envy and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? He goes on down through there. So when you take a look at this, he's saying to the folks in Corinth, I have to feed you with milk and not with meat. By the way, is this the first time he came to Corinth? The answer is no. He knows something about them. He knows where they are. He says, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it. Why? Do you know what you had in, in, the, in the church in, in Corinth? You had unawares just like you had in Galatia. By the way, you also had unawares in Rome. You also had unawares in, a, in Ephesus. I mean, you stop and think about that. Go real quick. Go real quick to, to, to Timothy. First Timothy. You had you had unawares in, in Ephesus as well. Notice notice first Timothy chapter one. Verse three. Paul's talking to, to to Timothy here, who was the pastor of the church in Ephesus. Notice what he says. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, what? That thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith so do. Now the end, here's the goal, here's the purpose for it. Now the goal or the end of the commandment is charity. Out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned, from which some having swerved had turned aside unto vain jangling. All right, so you have some folks that were teaching information right, but they have what? They've swerved and turned aside unto vain janglings. Well, what's the vain janglings? Verse 7, desiring to be teachers of the law. Isn't that the exact same thing that we saw in Galatia? If you're not, if you're not circumcised after the manner of Moses, then you cannot be saved. So what are they doing here in Ephesus? They're desiring to be teachers of the law 
understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. Here, not only do you have unawares that bring false brethren in, you've got unawares that are teaching in the church. <laughs> That's kind of scary, I think. Go back, go back real quick to, to Acts chapter 20. Go back to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse um, 29. We'll start off at 29. Acts chapter 20, verse 29. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Do you know what he's saying? There are guys that are going to come in that are grievous wolves, and their whole purpose is to what? They're going to wait until I'm gone, and they're not going to spare the flock. Now, you stop and you think about that real quick. And I've, I've made this analogy with this verse before. How many of you all have had a job where the boss wasn't there one day and you just didn't do everything you're supposed to do? All right, you didn't put up the, the order. Uh, the shipment came in. You didn't put all that stuff up. Um, we had a thing when I worked at Radio Shack. It says if you had time to lean, you have time to clean. And so sometimes you just didn't really feel like going around and dusting everything. You slacked off because the boss wasn't there. And so that's the same kind of idea. When Paul goes away, he says, after my departing, there will be grievous wolves that enter in among you. Notice verse 30. Also of your own selves shall men arise. He's saying that there's guys in your midst that are going to do the exact same thing. Speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. What's the purpose of it? To draw people after them. So you've got people outside and people inside doing the exact same thing. And he says what? Therefore, watch. Now, if if you've ever if you've ever had to stand watch, you can't do it lackadaisically. You can't slack. You have to be aware of everything that's going on around you. He says, therefore, watch. Pay attention. Take note. Stay awake. Be aware. He says, Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel, and he goes on down through there. But here's the issue. He tells them what? You've got guys that are going to come from the outside. You're going to have guys that come from inside your church. But watch. Remember what I've told you over the past three years. That I've tried to warn you. Everyone night and day with tears. Paul cared so much about that message that it drove him to tears trying to convince these people to be on guard. Why? Because he's seen it over and over again. And he says, keep your eyes open. Don't fall asleep. Pay attention to what's going on. And the only way that if you hear something or read something, or watch something that doesn't quite gel with Scripture, the only way you're going to know that is if you've got the Scripture built up in you. The only way you're going to know that is if you've got the Scripture in your mind. If you've stored that information up, 
and you've moved it down into your heart where you actually know the verses. And when somebody says something, you're just like, that's not what that verse says, brother. Thank you, Ron. I like that one. Um, 2 Timothy 4, 5 there. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of the evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Which reminds me of something else. Go real quick. Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> On your way there, get Ephesians chapter 1. And we'll come to a, conclu a conclusion here. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 18. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because I know Ron's going to come to talk about this sometime. But I want us to see something here. Ephesians 1.18, he says what? He's talking about the revelation and the knowledge of him in verse, eight, verse 17. 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And was the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Do you know that we have an opportunity to understand this information? Now, you stop and you think about that. Is it possible for us to know what Paul what Paul's what Paul's talking about there? Is it possible to know what God's will is? Well, Ephesians chapter five, verse seventeen. Verse sixteen, he says what? redeeming the time because the days are evil Ephesians 5:17 wherefore be ye not unwise but understanding what the will of the Lord is can the holy spirit write down that understanding what the will of the Lord is is it possible to understand the will of the Lord if it wasn't, the Holy Spirit wouldn't have written it down. The fact that he wrote it down and says, understanding what the will of the Lord is, that tells us what? We can know what the will of the Lord is. Well, what is the will of the Lord? It's the word of the Lord. And what you do is you get in the Bible for yourself. We study it for ourselves. We study it to find out who we are in Christ. We get in it and study it and read it to find out who God's made us, what He's going to do, why are we here, what's your, what's your will, Lord? And He's going to tell us. And He tells us, Romans, Romans tells us that we can know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So there is some things that we can know. In fact, go over real quick and we'll finish here. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We'll stop here. Here's the best part. I started off in, in this message of don't be an unaware. And so the rest of it's been how is it that we do that? Well, we become aware by the word of His grace because the word of His grace is able to build us up, right? So here's what's, what I find extremely, uh, 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 more than, I don't know, you know, it's fascinating, obviously, but it's even more than that. Notice in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9, Paul is talking to, to Timothy about all the things, you know, he says in, did I say chapter 2? I meant chapter 3, my bad. I'm glad you didn't put that up there yet. <clears throat> Uh, but 2 Timothy chapter 3, in verse 1, he's talking about in the last days, perilous times shall, time shall come. And he's talking about the things that are going to take place. Which, by the way, those aren't signs for the end of the, of the dispensation of grace. Those things have been going on since dawn of time. I mean, you find a time in Scripture where men didn't love themselves. <laughs> you find a time where they weren't covetous or boasters or proud or blasphemous. I mean, you, they're everywhere. It's always been that way. But you get down to verse 9, he says, But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be made mani shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. And he's talking about specifically the, the, the issue there with Janus and Jambres and how you have false information out there of a false, you have, actually, you have a false version out there that, that Satan has produced that looks like, sounds like, feels like, and, and, and all those things 
like what God's doing, but it's a false version. And he's saying, But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. So there are people that he's talking about there that their folly is going to show up. It's going to be manifest just like Janice and Jambres. But here's what I find interesting. Verse 10. But thou, Timothy, thou, hast fully known my doctrine. Is it possible to be an unaware if you fully know Paul's doctrine? Also, is it possible to fully know Paul's doctrine? The answer is yes. Timothy was with him, so there are things that he could ask him that we don't have an opportunity to, but the Holy Spirit has given us everything that we need in the books of Romans through Philemon to understand his doctrine. But he says, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, with which perse what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. He's saying, Timothy, you know everything about what I went through so that you can also endure. By the way, think of it this way. 2 Timothy is the last book of the Bible written. And Paul says in that, in that, in that book, he says to Timothy, thou hast fully known my doctrine. Because why? The entire revelation, the mystery has already been revealed by the time he wrote 2 Timothy. So we have the opportunity to do it as well. To me, that's amazing. So we don't have to be an unaware. We can be mindful of those things. We can be awake to those things and understand that when we, through use of the Scriptures, we can know exactly what's going on and we don't allow those things. Father, we thank you that you've completely and totally equipped us through your word with everything that we need to be about your work, to glorify you. That everything that we say and everything that we do would glorify your grace, your love, your mercy that you put on display through the cross of Jesus Christ. Thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you most of all for Jesus Christ and the things that you've accomplished through him. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat>